diplomacy generally steps in at the idea of competition has captured the attention imagination and anxieties of national security practitioners for scholars of the international politics however it is an old hat the military the advisory arm the academia the intelligence and the mod that are the national foreign policy mechanism that is is in constant preparation to succeed the nation at the two related but not identical tasks war and competition at same juncture operating on a thin vulnerable line the requirements of war generally are well understood even as they become increasingly diverse and sophisticated and preparing for it demands that the nation has and knows how to use the military assets needed to defeat all the adversaries in any ways on the other hand the competition however demands that india finds way to discourage and therefore to minimize the frequency with which other actors choose to challenge india's national security integrity and interests and to find ways to resolve those challenges favorably without needing to resort to war when they do arise that is your passive aggressive diplomacy hi i am vipul tamne and today on diplomacy direct we are going to engage in an age old dilemma that the military faces about where does the national mechanism draw a line onto the state diplomatic affairs and hand them over to the military to discuss this on a full spectrum from military and civil diplomacy standpoint today we have alphabetically general uh, pg kamath and ambassador sanjeev aroda lieutenant general pg kamath pvsm avsm ysm sm has served on all the frontiers of our nation in his 40 years of military service he has also been on official tours on uh, to china russia nepal most of asian nations and the middle east for 15 years he has commanded troops to fight against terrorism and the separatist movements in rajouri and punch and other sectors in jammu and kashmir for his tenacious actions as commander at line of control in operation rakshak he was awarded the sena medal and for operation parakram he was awarded yuddha seva medal by the president the last position before his superannuation that he served was as a commandant of army war college where the officers are taught leaderships uh, skills tactics operations geopolitics and strategy so uh, it's pleasure to have you here welcome to diplomacy direct general kamath sir thank you vipul uh and to discuss with general kamath we have with us <coughs> ambassador sanjeev aroda ambassador aroda is a former secretary of the ministry of external affairs and has also served in various capacities at uh, the headquarter level and abroad he was the head of the united nations political division in the middle east and africa region to oversee india's contribution to united nations peacekeeping operations and other activities from center for united nations peacekeeping uh, that is your cunpk and the united nations service institution that is usi uh, which is based out of uh, new delhi 
and co-chairing joint working groups on peacekeeping issues with associated nations. Ambassador Arora has uh, served as India's longest serving ambassador to Qatar as ambassador to Lebanon. He was noteworthily instrumental in the deployment of 900 strong Indian peacekeepers in the UN interim force in Lebanon, which is the UN IFIL. And during the Gulf War, he was the acting consul general in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia for diplomatic and military matters. He is associated with the United Services Institution of India, uh, an associate member of uh, Manohar Parikar Institute for Defense Studies and Analysis, and is the fellow of Asia Pacific Center for Security Studies, APCSS, Honolulu, Hawaii, USA. It's immense pleasure to have you and welcome to uh, Diplomacy Direct Ambassador Aurora. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you. Thank you, sir. So, uh, as per our premise for today, we are assuming under prejudice that sometimes in the international context that are often over the boundaries of diplomatic norms and standards that manifest in ways that are direct, obvious, and at times violent, as happens in armed conflicts generally. And sometimes they emerge as short of war tussles, for example, in primary areas like trade, information exchange, human rights, environmental conservation, and international law. From India's short yet busy history of 75 years, how certain are we that conventional state diplomacy is also proving to be optimum or is it time right now for military diplomacies to, to step in action? Uh, General Kamat, sir, we'll start with you first. Thank Firstly, you. I am not here to tell that the military has to take over and the diplomats will have no word. Rather, diplomacy has to be done by the diplomats. No one else can do it other than the diplomats. But if you really look at it a bit dispassionately, because we are not playing one against the other, we are looking at a whole nation, how it has really done its job in the past 75 years. Yes, the proof of the pudding is in the eating. Let's see Pakistan. What are our relations? No questions. We have seen Afghanistan. What are our relations now? Nepal. What are our relations now? Myanmar, what are our relations now? Bangladesh, what are our relations now? Sri Lanka, what are our relations now? Do I need any further to say that any system, be it the army, be it the diplomacy, be it the economics to say that everything is going on fine would be fooling ourselves. So there has to be improvement. And that is what we have to we need. Pursuit of excellence should be each one of our concerns. So what does diplomacy generally do? It wields the national power, the instruments of national power in the domain of diplomacy. That is, that is what we call mediation, conferences, dialogues, encouragement, persuasion, inducement, coercion, threat of coercion. They may not really coerce, but the very threat of coercion has to see all this in the diplomatic domain in the pursuit of national interests. 
are our national interests have been fully served? Perhaps no, because we don't even have a national security doctrine, which will say your national goals are these. If your national goals are these, your regional goals, the, the, your worldwide, your each region, your goals are these. These goals have to be made into quantifiable objectives in terms of trade, in terms of military, in terms of political, in terms of having allies, in terms of a power in the committee of United Nations. All this is in the vision and in the orbit of a diplomat, how we really mix it, mold international opinion. So, the, but but the test of diplomacy is with their with their neighbors. Let's look at Chanakya, the Mandalathir, the inner circle of all what I have mentioned. If Pakistan has to be managed, it has to be managed by Iran and Afghanistan, the outer outer uh, ring, so that their attention is there also and not fully riveted uh, against us. What is China doing? He is doing a beautiful thing by riveting our entire attention to a very puny but a powerful nation in terms of missiles and nuclear and conventional arms and proxy war, riveting our attention to the West in order to free itself to do whatever, whatever shenanigans it wants to do. So each country has got a this one. One or two examples where I think we have bundled we have a number, number of things. Even army is bundled. It's not, I'm not been pointing at the diplomats only. 1990, Aung San Suu Kyi was in the prison by the military regime. 93, the Indian army was all set to work with the military regime in order to flush out the terrorists in the Indo-Myanmar border. Everything was ready. Our cultural ministry or some ministry awards Sir Jawaharlal Nehru the award of international understanding a day before the entire operations washed out. Just see, left hand doesn't know what the other, other hand is doing. Now, let us take the uh, similar agreement. We have to do bilaterally, all issues bilaterally with the Pakistan. That is what. But who has told you to do bilaterally with China? China is a powerful fellow. You need other, other allies with you together in order to tackle him. But we want to do bilateral with the China. We don't want to comment on Xinjiang, human rights. We don't want to comment on Tibet. We don't want to do Taiwan. And we want to call it Chinese Taipei because he wants to tell. We don't want to talk even of the origin of pandemic. And we'll not talk about the incursions which are taking place. What a tragedy. Even in the recent meeting, UN General Assembly 76th session, not a word we have spoken against incursions. As of nothing has happened, it's a small thing. These small generals will sort it out. The MLA has come and occupied your territory. Then you come to the SEO, again, not a word against. Then you come to the BRICS, not a word against China. You go to China, you go Tibet and say only Vistarvad, you don't pinpoint China. In 2020, in the Quad meeting of foreign ministers, Pompeo is telling there is problem in South China Sea and Himalayas. Jay Shankar only speaks in Inundos. Why are you not actually curtailing and pinpointing and accusing and shaming or targeting China diplomatically? Our military comes later. 
yes they have done a coercive diplomacy to get uh, strong leader now wing commander abhinandan back well done see our diplomats are very good but what i have found they are not really empowered with the element of strategy they do not visit the borders otherwise no person who has visited ladakh will ever bargain with the chusul high chusul heights that is the kailash range with that finger 428 i can challenge you if your 900 kilometers of depsan plains have been occupied it threatens the very dbo dbo airfield it uh, uh, if dbo falls your flank of siachen is open such stream valley in the north will join how can any person who has seen the ground ever ever do get down your own area of lac even the 1959 lac is the rigid hours he has made you get down your own side of lac your lac as per perception is in your rate now you can't even patrol that area uh, ambassador aroda what do you want to say in terms of uh, uh, minister jay shankar's innuendos as uh, general sub just mentioned right now it's a pleasure uh, to have this interaction with the uh, highly distinguished and decorated senior colleague uh, of the indian army general kamath uh, and yourself forging joint operation uh, approaches uh, uh, among uh, uh, civilian officials diplomats and defense colleagues uh, for furthering our national interest and as i was saying it is uh, all about uh protection and promotion of the national so many nations of diplomacy and what diplomats do and about our national interest and i think uh, that uh, the mission of diplomats and that through different means through a very different uh, professional uh, training and orientation is the task of uh, our colleagues uh, in the Uh, defense forces when we all join the indian foreign service of course uh, possibly uh, the most uh, uh, fulfilling part of it is uh, our attachment with the defense forces i i warmly recall uh, those days in 1985 having joined uh, in 1984 when you know uh, 12 of us uh, were flown from chandigarh in an an12 uh, to uh, leh in ladakh to be with the uh, the trishul dev three division of the indian army and uh, those uh, those wonderful two weeks of uh, uh, training and interaction but uh, uh, i have also also always said that uh, we need to have this much longer uh, you know two weeks is far too short and a lot of it turns out to be uh, really uh, social bonhomie or professional camaraderie uh, i think it would be uh, in my view uh, extremely useful uh, for our system as a whole to have 6 uh, uh, months to one year attachment of every uh, officer uh, on the civilian side uh, whether it is the foreign service or the, or the indian administrative service or other services uh, for that matter with our defense forces uh, and uh, that should encompass uh opportunities to really uh perform some of the tasks 
that they are doing be deployed near to our uh, frontiers close to the outposts and so on so to start with let's take the case of the indian foreign service before an officer becomes a joint secretary uh, you know so i'm talking of at the level of 15 to 20 years experience uh, every officer uh, must spend 6 to 6 months to 1 year with the three wings of our uh, defense forces an extremely important issue is uh, India's contribution to uh, UN peacekeeping 1948 onwards. I mean, India has, has been the largest contributor uh, to the uh, UN peacekeeping missions, including the most challenging ones. And of course, uh, a, a large number of our uh, personnel have made the supreme sacrifice in that capacity. My last overseas posting was as ambassador to Lebanon, where uh, we've had from 1998 uh, you know, 900 uh, personnel of the Indian Army doing absolutely a great job in the United uh, uh, Interim Mission uh, in Lebanon, was in Lebanon Unifin. They have really, uh, as everywhere else, I, I think our defense forces undoubtedly uh, are uh, uh, most highly reputed uh, uh, for their valor, for their professionalism, for their dedication. Uh, and commitment and their sacrifices, be it uh, uh, in the discharge of their duties within the country or outside, for example, uh, in the UN uh, peacekeeping missions. So for, for today's conversation, Please, yeah. we, we are sticking to Pakistan and China, right? Because again, military, civil military diplomacy is a vast topic. But then, uh, so with Pakistan... Indian diplomacy has, you know, always a lingering feeling that, you know, what's old is new again. And here, for whatever reason, the Indian diplomacy failed in negotiating peace with Pakistan. The And, and the military coercive strategies are uh, an existential deterrent force, but seems to have decoupled from the mainstream uh, civil diplomacy here. And the employment of civil military tag teaming for diplomatic hybridization is actually necessary and is the need of the hour at this juncture. And same can be said about China, but we'll come to that at a later part. So uh, I'll start with, again, uh, you, sir, to defend against the statement that the civil diplomacy with Pakistan uh, has failed. All that... Uh, uh, you have uh, very prominently brought up two of our relations with Pakistan. Uh, better example of uh, uh, really an extremely fruitful, a very timely, a very, very comprehensive, a very well thought of uh, tactical and strategic and timely consultation and coordination uh, among uh, the diplomatic uh, uh, arm of the Indian government and the military establishment than what happened in 1971. I think this is uh, an unparalleled example in the annals of uh, uh, both uh, diplomacy and military history. Uh, you know, uh, whether it was... Uh, uh, in terms of our humanitarian efforts or uh, heightening uh, uh, awareness 
in the committee of nations you know sensitizing uh, uh, the international community as a whole of uh, the atrocities uh, committed uh, by pakistan army in the then uh, east pakistan and its very very serious ramifications both in humanitarian uh, and uh, geopolitical and strategic and security it was uh, it was uh, undoubtedly a glorious uh, uh, moment uh, glorious chapter for both our diplomats and the military strategists and uh, i think it is uh, it is very timely that you are having this discussion as the country is commemorating and celebrating the 50th anniversary of that uh, uh, that great uh, accomplishment the notion about the east pakistan that you know you just brought up is that you know even uh, the separation primarily was when uh, the indian forces got along with mukti bahini and uh, strategized the whole you know separation and the you know the demarcation all the strategy so since then even when when we speak about military is the indian military always seen merely as a force of coercion by the diplomatic community or how does the diplomatic community uh, you know bring in the military input for its next step so a very quick uh, idea on that and then we'll move to the next question so as as uh, as as i look at it uh, the indian uh, defense forces uh, the diplomats per se uh and i really say on the strength of my own experience indian diplomats per se have always functioned with them in an spirit the core uh, as the norms towards our shared uh, national interests and yes uh, what has happened uh, post april may 2020 from our standpoint is really it has thrown uh, a very huge challenge uh and uh, as has been uh, articulated uh, uh, both uh, from the diplomatic side as well as uh, uh, from our defense forces in different forms and formats different fora it cannot be uh, obviously business as usual uh, with china uh, until and unless uh, status quo ante is restored but yes the progress so far has been far from uh, satisfactory uh, 14th round of the commander level talks has just uh, uh, ended and i think uh, uh, there is uh, there are certainly some very serious unresolved issues and that is where i think jointly we have to see and in that context the the institution of uh, uh, the chief of defense staff was a very 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 useful uh, mechanism just some moment back you mentioned uh... taking matters to the un and you know as history says it all that uh, while the un mogip observership was in jammu kashmir and uh, general kamat sir would uh, you know be the you know bearing of the testament to here uh, that you know again there's been wars you know even after the uh unmogip has been there in presence general kamat sir uh, on this note on pakistan very quick what would be your views on what uh, ambassador arora has said 
before I enter Pakistan, I want to correct one issue which might have been misunderstood. I never said that we should go to UN for China. We'll fight the Chinese on our own. But not to tell international community of what has happened is what I am against. We have to say we'll fight. We don't want the US forces. We don't want UK. We don't want Japan. To be frank with you, and Ambassador Arora will bear me out, we can take on China in Ladakh and Arunachal now. Yes, if other uh, weapons have been used, that is for the depth areas and all to manage. I never said UN is the limp body. We can only prolong conflict as it has happened. The festering wound of A and K is still festering us. See, I won't tell only diplomacy. Everything has failed in vis-a-vis -vis Pakistan. Let's say in 47-48 war, when the instrument of accession was signed by Maharaja the entire JNK was literally ours. His entire territory was ours. But what did we do? We went to the UN, complained to the UN. Where did we complain? Under Chapter 6, that is re peaceful resolution of dispute and not Chapter 7, which is for an, uh, uh, aggression. And under Chapter 7, Article 42, tells Security Council can take action in order to remove that aggression. So an aggressor, an invader, we promoted him to a disputant by our round complaining of the UN, and it's still on. I am not blaming the diplomats at all, please, Sanjeev. That time, the entire first 18 years, entirely it was with the Jawaharlal Nehru. He was the this one. There was no question. There was no opposition. There was no advice. It is all, though it is a family estate, he was managing the foreign policy. Coming to non-alignment, just think, please do not misunderstand me again, that if we had not joined non-aligned and become a power block with the United States of America, we would have joined CENTO, we could have joined Seattle. Do you think China would have dared to attack in 1962 if we are members of the power block? Plus, UK and US were all together pro-Pakistan and the United Nations for the game. They kept the wounded uh, festering. We have lost, due to our non-aligned, 78,000 square kilometers, a third of GNK. We have lost 37,555 square kilometers of Atsai Kain for being a non-aligned. Who told you to be non-aligned? All uh, power blocks, you didn't have US troops to come out here. Ultimately, what happened? Nehru was begging Kennedy to send uh, his Air Force and his pilots and all to fight the Chinese. So after losing then uh, membership of United Nations Security Council, twice it was offered to us. Once by Eisenhower. I have gone through the documents. Once by Bulgarian as the sixth one. Eisenhower gave it in, in place of China, nationalist China. Bulgarian gave us at the sixth member of the permanent. Both we refused and told China needs it. What about the annexation of Tibet? China annexed Tibet. 19, December 1950, El Salvador passed a resolution to speak about the Chinese aggression in the United Nations General Assembly. Do you know who opposed it that we'll resolve ourselves? Britain and India. That was our state. We are losing a buffer. We are losing a nation. 
which is independent nation and we oppose and for, uh, oppose uh, the uh, el salvadors uh, that we sorted out where have we sorted out now to simla agreement 1972 93000 prisoners were given without sorting out the gnk issue army is also to be blamed please i am talking as a nation 54 of our own prisoners were still there are still there we are not even taken all our prisoners back including the war criminals who did the genocide in east pakistan east pakistan were given out on a platter indira gandhi and dp dhar and all absolutely you have to understand why we have come to this state later when a formal after nehru's this one that was obviously the diplomatic corps got a figure of their own their image of their own the intellect of their own their standing of their own their identity of their own before that this is odd because i am only trying to highlight the point that there was no coordination 2 plus 2 means 2 plus 2 the foreign policy the execution has to be done by the diplomats they are good at it but the policy formulation cannot be done only by mea it needs the national security advisor it needs the cds and it needs probably some more uh, what we call stakeholders mea mountain uh, 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 manmohan singh wanted to make siachen a mountain of peace what mountain of peace would you ever got it thank god that time national security the rk narayan and then hesitatingly our army chief and that's why it has not gone otherwise he wanted to vacate it manmohan singh going to the sermel street nam meet and speaking to gilani on the sidelines and telling kashmir and baluchistan is also equally important or words to that effect how can you convey telling that the owners of uh, baluchistan uh, the turmoil is india so if i go with the pakistan the list is endless so i do not want to really go into because we have we have we have, we have failed as a nation not only as a diplomacy we won the war what is the use 47 48 war one third area we lost 71 we gave back everything including 65 we gave back hajipur pass if there was a military advice to lal bahadur sastri when he went to thaston i am sure you won't have given the agp pass which connects the valley of punch and valley of uh, uh, srinagar you won't have given it now it is gone due to that pressure that prime minister was no more one of the one of the yeah. finest person i can i always admire it was due to because the the arm the army right from nehru's time has not been integrated into policy planning with a fear they will take over who wants to take over a country and mess it up it is this country is such a big mess army let it i have no under any circumstances but but that's what here they feed that they will take over because of most of the countries uh, be became independence between 46 to say 56 were taken over by the armed forces with that fear they kept the armed forces aside due to which we have suffered right now now that our eyes are opening and the mod is out there in tandem with uh, the external affairs and you know the one plus ones are happening with multiple nations on a bilateral and uh, you know on 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 uh, multilateral uh, levels and so uh, where where do we see now the active participation 
uh, of the military diplomacy stepping in and how will this balancing act come into place uh, general kamath sir when the diplomats do the job because the policy formulation has been done in conjunction with the uh, with the defense economy and the mea together we have done the policy policy formulation has to be done in with everyone now a diplomat let's say he has got a defense advisor when he has to pursue a national interest in the civilian field and at the same time the other their armed forces have to respond and our goals are meeting if i am able to channelize the thinking of the defense forces towards what the national goals are that's where he has to utilize me in order to do that the country ministry that whatever we have got national goals they have to tell yes see the foreign minister and cds get together yes cds let's have a plan you visit such and such place and get to agree with them from the military side that is the goal then the diplomat out there will get the civilian aspects done and then the national interest will be served i do not view these two as two separate compartments one doing military diplomacy one doing civil diplomacy i do not it has to be conjoint effort of a nation which pursues its national interest where the goals are there various means are there military means economic means one of the most foolish decisions ever taken in the annals of the world history is in the cargill when they told the armed forces that you will not cross the lac but attack and capture this tiger hill and uh, whatever have you heard of this a person has come into and now you say army will not cross means we can't attack from the spurs which are emanating from behind we have to go in a frontal and attack have you heard this not in the annals of world history any politico fellow will give these orders because there is no military inputs i i stop here jai hind Hmm. so what had in what had been in the preceding years been diffusely prognosticating about the uh, ascending and risk acceptant china in the early 2000s in national security strategy and national defense strategy uh, is now an evident fact so though the analysis talked volumes of the certain aggression little was done from the diplomatic front in in preparation for a new era of long term competition in which uh, india is anticipated to uh, contend increasingly and more directly with the interests of other states also in uh, possession of considerable military and economic might so evidently uh, the military is kept out of trade and commerce strategies and the related deliberations uh, the ways in which and in the conditions under which the indian armed forces can work in concert with economic and diplomatic elements of indian power to create effective strategy and coercive force in parallel so from that of a general staff uh, so com- coming coming to the accolades right so uh, from uh, uh looking at a general staff officer right grade 1 to that of a three star general 
technically by default a general is groomed to be a part of decision making process as well as being an observer to how the management of higher uh, directions of war was accomplished by his service right this officer is capable and creative and uh, willing to challenge the status quo for national security interests and able to take advantage of missteps and vulnerabilities of the strong arming enemies right uh, and then allies to achieve the policy goals and everything so in the current evolving uh, scenario where the officer of dma and the role of the cds is getting carved into a military diplomacy diplomacy plausibilities uh, in in a way would this capability be put to test uh, to be accepted and what the indian bureaucracy would allow this transition to happen readily and openly this is in context with the current uh, chinese situation that we are facing whenever the present discussion of 14th corps commander starts like failed mm-hmm. agreed all of failed the 13th 14th that dogra point we have not the hot spring we have not been able to do the reason is i'll tell you how smart the chinese are how they are using their coercive strategy against india the biggest pain in the neck for them was on the 29 30th of august 2020 when we captured the kailash range chusul heights from here till the 24th of january there are five meetings of the military commanders there are three meetings of the wmcc there is a five points agreement i have written an article five points disagreements they between uh, between uh, jay shankar and bangi on the 11th on 11th they met within 12 days they met and what a what a letdown in that meeting you know here both sides are equally you read the text of it please both sides are taking equal blame for the present embargo in broad glio rather china is telling it is your creation what it has happened and it is such a letdown for the country that five point agreement which took place 11th already wang yi had laid the stepping stone in order to vacate for it on the 24th january it was a decision was given to vacate 30th of september the wmcc meeting with the additional foreign secretary there they meet for the coordination and of the border of border then on the 12th october 6th november 24th january there were so many meetings in the end by 24th even on the 19th of december the wmcc met and with the civilians they tied up we'll tell the army that they will withdraw on 24th and 24th when the directions were given from top the army is not fighting its own battle it's a national effort then 24th we agreed that it has to come down and there were about 11 meetings of from 1st of september to 30th of march 11 meetings and after 24th the next military commanders meeting was on 20th of february in order to say acha all of you have gone down or not from your own area they have made us go down so who is articulating it you think if army was kept on its own with the no wmcc and then jay shankar wangi's meeting we would have never got down 2nd of march 
Wangi and Foreign Minister Jayshankar speak for 75 minutes on the phone, paving the way, because now he is happy that whatever they have to do, they have got it done out of you. 900 kilometers is intact, the most critical area for them, because from Depsan Plains, the, there is tank runs and armor movement. Within five to six hours, you can touch the general highway GH219, that the Sinkian Tibet highway can be touched and broken and inter interdicted. For that, they came 19 kilometers inside and captured 900 square kilometers, not letting you go via the Y junction to the petroleum point at 10, 11, 12, 13. So ipso facto, they have captured it. They are happy. The only place where they want you down was at the Chusul Heights because it has got such a dominance over Eastern Ladakh that you can see with electronically the highway GEH219, electronically you can observe it. And the diplomatic Ministry of External Affairs, CDS and National Security Council, all three have to act together to make a national strategic policy, which has to be signed by the CCS and budgetary allocations have to be done in order to progress forward. And each sub objectives have to be laid. They have to be quantified and then achievable objectives have to be laid year wise in order to pursue our national interest to make this country a great country. Without a national security doctrine, we are all fumbling in the dark here. Now, tell me, now you are pleading, China, please disengage. When can we disengage? When is your next? 13 has failed, 14 has failed. China, please tell, please tell, because you have nothing up your cards. Did you see the pathetic situation which you have landed? And plus, our foreign policy doesn't have a backbone. Ask Sushma Swaraj. She said, we'll believe in one China policy if you believe in one India policy. Second, $80 billion for the dual trade prior to COVID. Now it is $125 billion a country who has aggressed. You are giving them money, arms, and weapons in order to fight your own soldiers. Why don't you have a system to lay heavy duties on a country which is not, which is aggressing against your borders? Why are you not doing that? Have you seen the have you seen the situation where we have landed? Even that we are not doing. Third, we have to do a declaration. <clears throat> Any Chinese incursions on the land border, India will have the right to take requisite actions against the country in the Indian Ocean. The entire Malacca Strait is at the mercy of the Indian Navy with Andaman, Nicobar, three degree channel, six degree channel, 10 degree channel, Duncan channel, all this. If we stop their trade, interfere with their trade, disrupt their shipping, you behave there, we'll behave here. Have we done that? Bloomberg interview, Mr. Jaysenkar says, do you know what he says? What relations China wants to have with India I leave it to the Chinese because we are a doormat. Huh? He will do what we want and we'll watch. Why? You exert your diplomacy, you exert your where your strength. Tell that we'll interfere with the trade. Just make a declaration. 
Why is he, when he creates all this disturbance in the central sector, Barahoti, Ladakh, Leh, Arunachal, bloody Sikkim, why is he silent on the sea? Because at this point of time, you can play disturb, disrupt this trade. But soon, now, within next five years, you will have an Indian Ocean fleet separately. Watch my words. And they will be operating in Indian Ocean if you don't wake up. Who will tell the country this? That you better increase your Navy and the fight in the land has to be won in the, on the sea as well. See, these are the policies which a country has to absorb. Military diplomacy means I, I, I alone go in there and uh, speak into someone means nothing. The nation, the all instruments of national power have to be utilized in pursuit of the national goals. Having a comprehensive, holistic to uh, firstly identify very clearly what are our national interests, what are our goals and objectives see in the short term, medium term, long term, and how to uh, together, how to collectively go about uh, pursuing them. I think there is a merit uh, in having a group of experts, uh, you know, working in close coordination with the decision makers in the government and drawn from Let's say former diplomats. There are people, uh, obviously any individuals uh, preserve. I mean, there are there are uh, there are so many uh, experts, uh, both serving and former diplomats, uh, who have very deep insights, immense knowledge of China. Likewise, our colleagues uh, on the uh, defense side, uh, also inputs from the economic side and so on. So uh, a group such as this. I think making their recommendations to uh, Honorable Prime Minister, uh, you know, having periodic consultations, you know, uh, uh, I think it would be very useful. We have very, very uh, clear red lines that there's absolutely uh, no compromise ever on any act of terrorism and terrorism in all its forms and manifestations is most condemnable and has to be confronted and combated with all our might. There is certainly a merit to go beyond some of the established uh, bureaucratic and diplomatic structures. Uh, also, uh, for the leadership to have uh, opportunities uh, to take on board, uh, you know, the considered advice uh, from multiple sources, create some structures, you know, some clusters of uh, uh, experts and advisors, uh, embed them, integrate them appropriately with the existing structures. And in this context, uh, also, of course, it is, I think, within our system, uh, you know, after the recent tragic uh, uh, passing away of uh, General Bipin uh, Rawat and a number of uh, our other valiant officers in that terrible helicraft, uh, helicopter crash. I think uh, it, is, it is time to, uh, to announce the appointment of uh, his successor. Uh, that would uh, indeed uh, uh, ensure continuity of a very useful structure uh, that uh, was uh, an institution that was created. And it was also, also I think it would send uh, a very strong message all around. I see 
both you speak in unison that there has to be a comprehensive and holistic approach and overall involvement of uh, military uh, uh, ministry of defense uh, for overall diplomatic reforms in forging a nation wise foreign policy friend or adversary either ways to have a homogeneous geographical cyber security trade and economy uh, any uh, you know any physical or emotional deterrence that the country is going to face and it has to it has to be weighed in by both the segments and uh, the the overall decision making has to happen in that manner i really thank both of you gentlemen being on diplomacy direct uh, today and uh, sharing your views uh, thank you so much and uh, would be our pleasure to have you again uh, at some other for some other topic and uh, you know so for now thank you so much and have a great day jai hind thank you